live. That's how I'd be feeling about this podcast, you know, is that if if we want to be the best at it, come rain, shine, sleet, or snow, we got to make it happen. This is all the way live. The most gangster thing you can do is serve. That's right. That's right. Indeed. Indeed, this is the All The Way Live podcast. Yo, this is nothing but a pleasure and honor and always a super blast to come here every weekend with my best friend, with my brother, to do what we do, which is give people that carefully curated content for their cranium every single week. Ain't that right, Brother Miles? That's what we do. Listen. It's Tuesday. We are taking over. New day. Check us out. We appreciate y'all, you know what I'm saying, for riding with us as we work everything out. Tuesdays. Tune in. That's your day. That's your Q day on Tuesdays. And you know, at this show, man, we do something very simple. We take what is ke- what is current news. We take relevant topics. We take thoughts things and ideas that Miles and I have gone through in this life of ours that we live and we dissect it and we give it to people all for a singular, singular reason, which is that whether it's one person or 10 people, 100 people, 10,000 people, a million people, it don't matter to us. Everybody is welcome here. Everybody is loved here. This is a space of positive, of intentional positivity. And we do it just to be, even if for a moment, a, a a breath of fresh air and of hope and encouragement to anybody that's listening, you know, because we know for a fact that people are going through it, man. Yes, sir. So we're here for y'all. We're glad that you are here. Welcome. What's up? You already know what's going on, man. Joe Berg is in the building, brought to you by the illustrious Gallery Momo. You know what I'm saying? You see the art. You see the overalls. You know what I'm saying? On my brother. What up, YouTube audience? You know what I'm saying? Fresh, freshness forever. On this side, you already know what's going on, man. Chicago is in the building. The building is in Chicago. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. This land here in the city was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the council of the three fires, and the violence done to remove them from this land is inseparable from the state that we find this city in, the state that we find this country in, and the state that we find the world in. So with that, we got to lift up love for indigenous people the world over, lift up love for black and brown people, the world over intro over let's get into the show man hey thank you for welcoming us in welcoming us in wow that's a tongue twister um, as you do every week i actually i was watching something with my sister and i saw somebody do a land acknowledgement similarly it was actually the hiatus coyote uh, the highest coyote tiny desk performance and they did a land acknowledgement and i and I, I found that very cool i was like hey man I, I i recognize who that is so thank you for putting us on game on that oh absolutely absolutely and that's dope to hear actually that more artists are doing that that should be something that happens at every concert in the states anywhere that the land was removed from the indigenous people that lived there and cared for it like, yeah, acknowledging that history is hugely important. I promise you it wasn't as dope as ours, though. Go definitely check out that tiny desk just to verify y'all. Hiatus Coyote got some fire music, but I promise you that land acknowledgement and got the sauce that ours got. You know what I'm saying? And if you know any history, if you happen to be around Chicago hearing this or anything that we should add to that land acknowledgement, uh, let us know, man. We would love that type of engagement. And like, especially on the on the point of the land acknowledgement, right? 
it, understanding the history of your relation to a land is so important because then, as you say, you can preserve history through the understanding of what's happened to that land. So part of the big things that we see happening where at least this is a theory of when people in, in low income communities and the projects, they, there is said to be almost a disconnect between feeling as if they are from that, from the land in which they come from. Instead, it is more so a feeling of being a product of the environment and not have there be a, a a closer relationship with the land, which is then why you see lower rates of people purchasing homes in those areas, which is also then why at least um, theoretically has been said to contribute towards when there's looting or destruction or demonstrations that happen within those societies that people are able to um, destroy as quickly as they do. The same thing with littering and the dilapidation of systems. Obviously, there's a huge cost there's a huge po- there's a huge point of it that's like okay people don't actually have money in those areas to take care of those things but you know it's still an interesting an interesting theory nonetheless yeah everything you said definitely uh brings to mind imagery of of chicago right in positive ways and in 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 less positive ways so as an amazing case study of that right chicago was founded by jean baptiste bondusabo uh whose wife was a padawani padawami woman and he was of Haitian and I believe French descent, right? So this is a black mm-hmm. man, it's a Haitian man that founded the city of Chicago. Full stop. How many people knew that out there? All right. The more you know. I don't know that. Where else? Where else? Right. And so what is it, what does it do to you as a black Chicagoan, should you be one, that like to realize that, to realize that this city, South Side, West Side, and the North Side, where it's Ritzy at. All of this was started by not only just a, a man of Haitian descent, but also his wife that was a Native American. Well, how do we get this shit so twisted? How do we lose so much of that if we if we were here and, and a part of the founding of this? It makes you ask some questions, right? It makes you ask even more questions as we go through the history, as we've talked about many times on this podcast of the largest public housing closure in the United States ever, Chicago, with the Robert Taylor homes, the Ida B. Wells homes, right? So... And then the largest ever closure of public schooling, right? Over 45 elementary schools, right? Closed in these same neighborhoods where these homes were, black and brown communities. And so you talk about a community of people that doesn't feel attached to the the space they're growing up in. It's because it's intentionally, Mm -hmm. generationally, right? They've been separated from that space. Those spaces have been marked specifically not to receive resources. Hello, redlining, right? You get me? So is, there's a there's a there's a history of this, and that disconnect is is intentional, and we have to do everything: land acknowledgments, uh, Black History bike tours. Shout out to the CRR19 project, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Fun days. We got to get together and do art projects. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Mandulo Foundation. We gonna get into that a little bit more later. You know what we I'm saying? We gonna get into it. We gonna get into it. <laughs> but it's, that that type of stuff is real important. You dig me? This is how. This is this is this is. At least what you're seeing happening now with the museums in the UK, the the British the British uh, Museum, right, which has these ancient artifacts that are now being sued for 
to you know be returned to their to their home countries because a lot of people are actually saying like for for instance the 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 there's uh there's some historical pieces from Nigeria that the people from that area and some of the people in Burundi are saying we've actually never even we didn't know that there was this level of 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 artsmanship that happened because those things were taken at such a earlier point in time right so there's like almost a disconnect with their history and now people are suing the British Museum in order to be able to get those things back now I don't know if you've been to the British Modern Museum, but I I I've been and I dug it and it was dope it was dope and and knowing what your travel plans are I know you're gonna get a chance to see it soon and and I really think everybody should because of how dope it is right but at the same time what I realized ex- especially when I got there the first thing that I realized I was like wow look at all this stolen merchandise that was the undoubtedly the first thing that I thought about. The second I walked in, I was like, look at all of these stolen goods. You were Killmonger in the Black Panther scene. Did you call the lady uh, over to kind of ask her, like, was, yo, where, where's this from? Nope. I, <laughs> <laughs> then her hands start shaking with a coffee. Y'all know the rest. Funny enough, I was actually by myself. I was funny enough on, on that on that uh on that trip. And if you're trying to insinuate that I'm that I'm Eric Killmonger, also formerly played as Michael B. Jordan, then yes, I will definitely take that compliment. That's exactly who I am and who I was on that day. I just want you to I just want you to get your respect. You know what I'm saying? We we acknowledge in all the AKAs out here, all all of your past lives and identities, but it's really funny you say that actually uh yeah on on a on a recent trip that I that I got a chance to take I was able to check out uh the Perez Museum in Miami right and so there was a Afro Caribbean exhibit and I got to check that out with my brother and the fact that we were able to walk through this entire space that and first of all the Perez Museum uh kind of has a focus on um, art from people of color, uh, art from that typically wouldn't, might not be showcased in more traditional museums. So shout out to the whole museum. The whole vibe of the museum was super, super dope. Gift shop and everything just was uh, very empowering, right? As a black man, it was, it was, there was a lot of dope stuff that was uh, gender-based and LGBTQ, like inclusive. It was, it was just a fire experience. So that to me speaks to the importance of us retaining ownership of our art, right? Mm-hmm. It speaks to the importance of the acknowledgement of our art right up there with everything else that's considered high art so that it can be shown in these spaces, that it, that it can be showcased and preserved and, and credited accordingly, according to mm-hmm. the, the high, high value of it, not only as art, but as history for the people who are responsible to it and the people who've come after them. Especially that, especially that history part. Especially, especially that history part, right? Like for real, go when you go to the any of these large museums, it is almost quite baffling how how intense you, you realize the at least a system that allowed them to be able to take all of these things to take all of these things, you know, from the places where they're from. Super, 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 super interesting. Speaking of history, something that we had written down as part of our stumble upon, and I know we have drops for these sort of things, so I want to be able to make space for those drops. If we have those drops, please, sir. Are we, are we, are we live? Are we live? Hey, hey, y'all, hey, y'all, come look at this. Right. 
So off of that, off of that, off of that conversation on history, I over 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 the the course of the week, I I was presented with a particular interesting question, right? About at what point in your engagement with somebody, let's say a young lady in this instance between us two to make it relevant, you just met her, whatever the case is, at what point is it the right time to disclose? mental illness or have them disclose it to you if that's the scenario that you want to paint mm. i think and first of all yo shout out to everybody who's going through been diagnosed any type of mental illness um mm-hmm. we love you so that first and then i think it depends on your perspective on how severely or yeah, how severely your your mental illness or whatever you're going through, your mental challenges affect your ability to relate to this person. So if you find yourself unable to express exactly what you're feeling to this person, and this applies to people who don't have any mental challenges, right? But if you mm-hmm. find yourself in a space where you're, it's difficult for you to truly express what you are feeling to this person or you feel like what they're hearing from you and interpreting is is very far from what you're trying the messages and intentions of what you're trying to send then you need to have a conversation about all the factors that might be contributing to that breakdown in communication including your mental illness right um i think the interesting conversation is it becomes around yeah at what point right if you know that you have a severe mental challenge and it impacts a lot of the different facets of your life i think for safety reasons you might want to get that out there relatively quickly right especially if you have strong feelings for this person um but it's tough. It's complicated, and there's it's all gray. I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah. if there's a, a definitive answer we can give this one. What are your thoughts? Because especially right when you consider how private of information that is, right? It's it's, it's some people are, are private in general, so don't want to give off or disclose any information about their private life, not from a place of wanting to be particularly malicious or anything. It's just not something to share. Like for instance, on my end. I'm a fairly private person, so I would not be compelled to share some very private information. But also at the same time, you consider you're sitting across the table from somebody. You just met that person. You guys are interacting and you can tell, OK, this is a bit of a vibe that, that I'm feeling is bouncing between, you know, the, 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 the vibes, good things going all right. At what point would as a would you expect at that point to be the right point for someone to say, oh, also, by the way, I am. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I, I have bipolar. I'm, I'm heavily bipolar or whatever the case is, or is that way still way too early in the process? I think, I think too early depends on entirely. It's, 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 it's up to the person who is disclosing whatever information they're disclosing. So it's when they feel comfortable, um, when they feel that it's, that it's necessary but there is also a certain amount of respect that goes into how many we'll say like unexplained 
interactions you might allow to happen before filling the other person in, right? So if you, whatever mental challenge you have causes you to respond to whatever the stimuli might be in a certain way, right? Like even if it's just severe anxiety and you guys are getting into, uh, I'll do one even better. Even if it's just like, even if you have like severe claustrophobia, right? And y'all are getting into an elevator and you are going to get into the elevator and you start panicking a little bit, right? Mm, mm. There's, it, it's a line that you have to look within yourself and find out how is it better for me to tell this person, hey, I have a little bit of claustrophobia. So if I get if I look a little uncomfortable in the elevator, that's why. And it'll pass as soon as we get out of the elevator. Or are you maybe a more private person that would rather try and fight through it, try and show as little of that discomfort as possible and then get out of the elevator and risk that person? Maybe if they're feeling you the way you're feeling them, maybe they're paying a little bit more attention to you. Maybe they're seeing you fidgeting, not knowing what's going on. And now they don't have the information to fill in why that might be. So now they might. If go ahead, go ahead. If if I shake violently when I step up on an elevator, I'm gonna have to tell somebody that. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I get in the elevator and start sweating profusely and shaking violently, I I, I would. And if if somebody else does that, I don't care if it's a potential partner that I'm entertaining. Or if it's just a dude that I'm hanging out with, if we, if you, every time you get in the elevator, you start breaking down, I'm going to need you to tell me that <laughs> before we step in the elevator, presumably. Hopefully we can find some stairs around it. But that's an interesting example, right? Because you could, you could very easily find yourself in that situation and go like, what was that, bro? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what was that? And meanwhile, that person is embarrassed. They're thinking, they were probably thinking about the elevator since the car ride. You get me. They're probably thinking, I hate elevators. I hope that nowhere in this restaurant, club, concert, baseball game that we're going that I have to get on an elevator. So, and they were probably thinking, I can tough it out. I can be strong. It's just an elevator. I got this. So now if they haven't and you've noticed, they're probably feeling embarrassed. They're probably feeling like a failure. They're probably thinking that everybody thinks I'm weird now. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's that same moment where you're like... <laughs> A little heads up would have been nice that they're probably (laughs) at their feeling, you know, uh, less capable. They're most least they're least capable. And so when they need empathy the most is what I'm trying to say. For sure. For sure. And that's 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 the the crappy part about social anxieties and anxieties of that nature is that you just get looped into a, a thought pattern that is hard to be able to break out of. And once that pattern just starts playing and playing, you find yourself in a place where it's, it's, it's difficult to, to even, to even think outside of it, right. From a rational point of view, it's like you, you worried about there being elevators, but you going into a one story house, you know, man, I wish this house doesn't have elevators. Man, this is a, this is, this is a, it's a condo. <laughs> it's a condo. It's a ranch. You know I mean? it's, a, it's, a, it's a ranch it's, layout. It's it's, <laughs> having elevators in a ranch is quite jiggy, though. I'm not going to lie. That would be some fly stuff, though. What does the elevator go? It goes sideways. It just brings you from the living room to the kitchen. <laughs> the, they have those at the airport. <laughs> they have those at the airport. The moving walkway. 
Oh yeah, my yeah. God. Like my like Mike Jackson's house. That's a, that's something I'd expect to be Michael Jackson's house. Bruh. Oh random, but on YouTube, you guys can look up the first time that Michael Jackson did the moonwalk. It's like it's incredible the way that people reacted to like his smallest little movements. Like he just had every, the whole world dialed in. Recommendation. Yeah. You know? I saw Mike Jackson take a glove out of a box and 20 people fainted at the same time. They were just carrying bodies. As he pulled a glove out. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. That's where I'm trying to get with podcasting. That's exactly where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to have, yo, when people when people hear me, Mike, check, Mike, check. I just want mad, but like intellectuals, though. I just like want mad librarians to just lose it. You know what I mean? You want to take out conversational white gloves out of boxes and and shake <laughs> and shake intellectuals till they fade. I wanted to do something auditory because I want to make sure that we're always it's still it's still for the audience. You even if you're just hearing it, even if you're just hearing me over the airwaves, it got to be something that you just like. The best example of this in the world is Lil Wayne's lighter flick. When you hear that sh- sh- on a Lil Wayne song, you already know what's about to happen. That's just no. ASMR. That's what you're discussing. <laughs> that's that's what, an audio experience that emits emotions and sensations, dude. You just you just try to start an ASMR page, but just one, but just but just as a singular sound, right? You don't need the whole hour and fourteen of lo-fi hip hop beats. You just get you just you just have the one, and it's and you try to whisper into my. You try to whisper in the microphone? Is what you Look how quickly I became the Ying Yang Twins. Wait till you hear my pie. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Wait till you hear my pie. <laughs> you took it. <laughs> and I'm glad that we are, man. And I'm glad that we are. But it was just, it was just a fascinating thing, right? Like, it's the same thing. I got my... I got my STI test and my STD test and my HIV test this weekend, um, celebrating of Women's Day. There was a, you know, we wanted the whole team to go do it. This guy's celebrating hard. (laughs) (laughs) So something like that, right? But But, but I got to big that up. I got to big that up because we can't just skip over that, bro. You got to. Yes, fellas. Yes, that is cool and important and responsible. Yo, go get tested. Go, 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 go. I do it every year around my birthday and Christmas. Twice a year, every six months, twice. Free clinic, find one, takes an hour of your time. Do it. Look how your number kept on going up. I do it once every year, twice. <laughs> once, every, once on my birthday, twice a year. <laughs> I do once so on my birthday, once it. around Christmas. Twice. A, that's twice okay, a year. Okay, okay. Because my birthday's got you. Got you. so it's, it spreads the, god damn, that's more birthday information than I've ever given out. Fuck. All right, but that's yeah. So we'll bleep, we'll bleep it out like everybody cares. We'll split the we'll split the year quite nicely. Yeah. Apparently, you're supposed to do it every six weeks. No, what? six weeks? I've heard every six months. It's, Y'all have recommendations might weeks. be different. <laughs> <laughs> the, the African algorithm says slightly more different. stringent. It might be different, yeah. And also, what you, do you are mean by that? on a lot of coitus, bro. That's a lot of that's. I mean, like you, you, you get me. Some people six, don't have sex every six weeks. You're speaking like I, a man I, in a relationship. I haven't. I have not seen. I have not ran the statistics on that. I, I, I don't know what the what what the average time is. 
if you've been averaging sex over every six weeks and you are a single person throughout COVID, definitely go get checked. Click this time. <laughs> two minutes and listen to my whole announcement again because you for sure need to get checks. <laughs> Thousand percent. Everybody needs to get checked, especially a COVID test. A COVID test. This yeah, word. Test, dude. Do the word. whole thing, dude. TB. Do the whole thing. Word. I ain't saying there's nothing oh, wrong man. with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But go get checked, yo. It's. It, I. I don't know, man. I don't know. I. I. I wonder if the. At, at what point? At what point does the pursuit of having many sexual partners begin to fade away? Because you see some people, some men in their old age. You know the saying: married men love the streets. Right, married men are out here in full force. That's what they're doing. Not to bring anybody out, but I, I listen as a young man who navigates the same areas that these young women do. I know exact. I know who they refer, who they're speaking to, and a lot of times it's married men, right? So it's it's, it's a very, it's actually a, quite a very fascinating. A, a very fascinating thing that happens after somebody after a dude has a child and they've been at home for uh, after a child they've especially established some sort of infrastructure the, the 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 desire to go outside of be it marriage or that relationship tends to flare up for some reason i get that and it's not just infidelity right i mean for a lot of a lot of what you're speaking to could be, and let me know if you don't want it to be, but it could be lumped into a part of midlife crisis. Dad buys a real nice car if he can afford it, starts wanting to go out, starts caring a little bit more about his, how he's dressing. Maybe if he didn't work out, he starts working out. And it's not just specific to men. Women have midlife crisis in their own way. Um, but yeah, I think I think especially what, as you're saying, because I think there's a there's a blanket difficulty. Be, to to reconcile monogamy with how boys are socialized in the Western world, but I also think mm. that even even if you have the best shot at that, once you have a family and you start to realize you've probably lived a little more of your life than you got left, I can also see that being another trigger to wanna another trigger for FOMO, right? The, your your fear of missing out on whatever and may make you go and uh, want to try some something a little different some little some little i was there let's let's skip over that before i start exposing a few people but it's 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 i don't know man i hope come the time for me to be able for me to jump into my midlife crisis whatever the case is i I can navigate it as honest as i can to who i am as a person right i don't think there's anything wrong with hitting a midlife point and wanting to because also at that same time, when you and from that same time, it seems that you have more income, you have some sort of stability. So maybe even all the clothes you wanted to wear when you were younger and the cars you wanted to drive, now you have the opportunity to do that. And maybe that feeling of of, of newness and that feeling of accessibility um, then leads one down the path to to want to try out everything that they might not have been able to try. Well, I think. Well, here's an interesting question for you now as somebody who maybe can't say they were never able to try it. What is your relationship with now with wanting to sow your royal oats? Like, you know what I mean? Like 
What? <laughs> what does that mean? That's a coming to America one reference for y'all, for those of y'all that mess with the OG. But you're what what do you feel a desire now to like because I know at a certain point when we were young, that was a that was a big part of, of life was like, man, I want to be attractive to females. I want to have game. I want to be able to talk to a girl and for her to like me. You know what I mean? And I think in a lot of ways, all of us just really want to be liked even still. Right. But what is your relationship to that whole culture of going out that you're that you're speaking to now as somebody who isn't that old yet or stable? I mean, (laughs) 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 the key point is stability. You you are you are you are you are switching countries up for for the best of reasons, bro. Continuing your education. You know what I'm saying? Big ups to that. But you are you are you are here and there, and you're doing I amazing see. things everywhere. Your feet are trailing you. But I, in terms of familial stability, in terms of settling down, you're not there yet. And so I'm wondering mm. if, as somebody who's not there, somebody who might not be able to say that they've never uh, tried to um, be out with a bunch of different women, now do you feel drawn to that life at all? I I don't right because the current setup of the the current setup of the relationship that I'm currently in is one that doesn't necessarily is is one that's not predicated on entertaining other partners, right? So a big thing for me has always been how honest can I be with respect to the 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 agreement, if you will, the the relationship agreement that I set out with my partner. And sometimes you can stumble into a relationship agreement that allows for those walls to be to to be accepting of different parties that can participate in it. Sometimes that the I I heard of people that are in relationships, especially people that travel like that when they are with each other, they are with each other. So if they're traveling, when they meet up in a certain country, then there's nothing else that matters outside of the person that they're with. But when they separate, then it's back to whatever other circumstances and relationships that they have revolving around there don't necessarily talk very much, et cetera, et cetera. Me, do I have a drive for it? It's, it's interesting because we are now entering what is technically considered our prime, right? That, that, that 28 to 34 year old window. That's, that is what, that, that's where your supposed, uh, your, your testosterone is pumping, your physical, mental, capacity is operating at a very at at, at, a, at a at a growing rate so it's, it's kind of like a a growth spurt but for the brain and for 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 the brain essentially you know what i mean it's 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 we're in that in that age group now so i'd be lying if i was saying that there's no particular urges that come from that from just the pure point of the testosterone that's just Coursing through my body, brother. You know what I mean? <laughs> Damn science. <laughs> the promise. Damn science. I'd be, I wouldn't think twice. <laughs> no, but, but listen, these hormones are pesky. But like the, the, the thing about it, right, Miles, is that you can control, in, in my experience, I can control that, right? Because we, we all have urges. We, we all have urges and impulses and things of that nature. Well, how you decide to react to that is up to you. My urges don't necessarily lead me to react in a way that would offend the particular agreements of the relationship that I've established with my partner. But if 
there was space to be able to do that, then I would, then that would be the avenue I go into. You get me? Kind of. I just want to clarify a little bit at the end. You were saying you don't, the, your urges don't lead you to a space that would make your partner uncomfortable. You're saying your urges don't, or you don't allow your urges. You don't allow your urges to. I mean, look, you can have an urge, right? Like you can be like, All right, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a little, a little, a little freaky deaky type situation. From there, it's you can then exercise that with your partner if you have that option to be able to do so on some AO. It is we are swinging in the chandeliers tonight, okay? We're swinging on the chandeliers, so it could be that type of, you know, you can have that type of outlet. I think it just gets a particularly. It, uh, for me, dude, it's all about being honest. I'm tr- I, I try to be as honest as I can be in 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 the situations that I'm in, so that we have an agreement. And if I'm honest with my agreement to be like, "Yo, I need the space to be able to express this particular urge with other people," then this I, I'm that is I'm, I'll, I'd only entertain a relationship that has that space if that was something that that I wanted and it was comfortable with my partner and allowing her to do the same thing. And allowing her to do the same thing. That's the part a lot of people though. That's the part a lot of dudes miss. You can't just be the, the you it can't just be you. You at least there has to be a clear conversation about about what whatever the arrangement is, right? And there has to be it's it's not like monogamy or like free for all, right? People still have feelings, people still have emotions. And especially if you're trying to create a relationship that doesn't mirror the traditional relationships that there are representation that there's representation for you're always going to have to struggle and to communicate because you're you're not following a blueprint you know you're not looking at your parents you're not looking at you're you're trying to figure it out for yourself so in any type of relationship that blurs the lines of monogamy or you know of um yeah just what it what it means to to be intimate with somebody communication is everything uh and i would say that going back a little bit to the conversation about like the tendency we'll say men specifically have to uh you know at a certain point maybe dibble and dabble outside of the outside of the relationship i think you have to make peace with all of this stuff we're taught we're shoved down our throats from the time we're little kids that like a successful and powerful and strong man will have whatever pick of women and if you are a good man and you know you you are aggressive and strong and alpha then you'll have this choice of mates and you'll be sexually productive and that's virile and who you know i think we have to start to if you're gonna you you can't have your you, you can't have your cake and eat it too uh unless you're willing to set up a very very specific type of situation so when you think about that man that you were supposed to be, that was supposed to have all these options as far as sexual partners. How do you reconcile that with the man that is the stable and sturdy home foundation and that takes care of children and that devotes all of their time to, to these kids. Right. So it's like, we're taught these two conflicting, these two conflicting things. And I think as a man, you have to make peace at a certain point with like, I know what, I know what's out there. Or even if you don't know, I'm putting faith in that what I have in terms of building a family or a home, these promises that I'm making are going to be more fulfilling if I hold up my end than whatever's out there in the street. And you have to make peace with that one way or another. Some people make peace with that by saying, 
I've had enough. I remember uh, Felicia, Keisha, Leisha, Ivana. And that is, and that, and I'm good and I lived my life. I was wild back in the day, boy, but now it's, I'm cool. It's me and, you know, my partner and, 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 and we rock. And I, and I sometimes think fondly about those days, but what we have here is more important. Or maybe you don't have all the Keisha's, Leisha's, Tisha's, and Ivana's. And you just have to go on faith alone that you found a connection with somebody and that building that connection will be more fruitful and more rewarding than going out to, to play with whatever. And that's easier said than done, but you have to find a way to, to tap into that truth in yourself. And if you, that truth isn't there, then you don't need to be in the relationship, at least not monogamously. Look, if I don't, one thing can't work for everybody, right? True. One thing can't work for everybody. So there's different types of relationship algorithms that you can put together. I think what makes the most amount of sense is always going to be entering into something where it is understood what the realities and parameters of, 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 of the engagement are. If there's something that I would tell younger me, I'd be like, bro, be as honest, as brutally honest as you can be with women in your young age. Learn, learn that as a, as a muscle, right? Like, because I think that's what it is. I think honesty is a muscle. It's something that you need to practice. And when it's good decision, when it's something that's difficult to do or something that's not difficult to do, just try and be as honest as you can be often so that come the time for you to fall back on what it is that you have said, it came from a point, from a place of honesty. So it's the same thing with relationships. Come a time where now somebody's like, hey, yo, you're busy messing with these girls. You're doing this and this. It's like, yeah, but like, I we had come into agreement with it. I had let you know that I'd be safe, uh, but I'd be engaging people, and that I'd let you know woo, 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 X Y Z. And now that's the that's the relationship. You know what I mean? So it's kind of that that that's what I always fall back on is the is the honesty factor. I think that is the most important advice you can give somebody. Um, be honest and communicate. And communication is effort. You're not always going to have the words. If you're with, if you're in a relationship, especially one that is serious and that's real, then you're going to be experiencing things that you've never experienced before, things that you might not have words for. And so finding the effort to communicate to that somebody uh, or finding a way to communicate that to somebody takes effort. And the flip side of that is no matter how honest you want to be or try to be, no matter how honest you, 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 your partners agreed to be and how much effort they're putting into that, there are few truths when it comes to love. Everybody means something different when they say love, even if it's just a little bit. When they say I love you, everybody means every sex means something a little different to every different person. Right. And so your your interpretation of what you do for your partner and outside of the relationship is going to be vastly different than your partner's interpretation of what you do for the relationship and what you do outside of it and their own of each of those things. So you're 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 constantly trying to align things that even if you two are agree and you say I love you and she says I love you too, even then you might not mean the same thing. And a good relationship mm. and good communication is about understanding exactly what your partner means by what she says as well as what she actually said. And when you understand that one, skip forward to episode 138. We got some heat for y'all. <laughs> Miles' Wake of Dating Advice is the name of this episode headline reads. I think it's called, uh, if you want something a little freaky deaky. A little freaky deaky is the name of the episode. No, no, no. let's not you, name you it gave a little it freaky. It. Come on, man. My mother shares that. this with her church group, man. I can't be doing that. Fine. Fine. 
<laughs> shout out honesty to my mama's church group. Policy. And Jesus. Shout out to my mama's church group. Honestly, shout out Jesus. to y'all. Hey man, listen, we have to keep the energy. We have to keep the energy on on everything that we do, especially on the show because it is such a consistent show. So if you don't mind, Miles Xavier, me and you have quite the celebration that we need to make uh, because Rihanna is officially a billionaire for our current news topic. And of course. Yes, sir. That is correct. That is correct. That is correct. Rihanna is officially a billionaire. And I am about to, in fact, read off um, the fact that she is a billionaire. You know this how you be all in the reading this shit. Hey, that's some real good shit, my nigga, for real. Congratulations, nigga. Yep, indeed. So I'm going to pull this actually off of the Forbes website, which actually is not Forbes, sorry, boss hunting. Um, Rihanna is officially a billionaire. Uh, as it may pain the more impatient Rihanna fans out there would appear, she had an extremely good reason for putting her next album on the black burner. And mu- the musician turned beauty cosmetic fashion mogul has been busy working towards becoming a billionaire, according to Forbes. The financial publication reports Riri, real name Robin Fenty, has a net worth of 1.7 billion US dollars and an estimated 1.4 billion, which is owed to her 50% stake in Fenty Beauty. The risk can apparently be attributed to a lingerie company, Savage X Fenty, value at a tidy $270 million. And of course, there's a catalog of chart topping bangers to earnings as well as revenue from her budding film career. Essentially, Rihanna's net worth cements the, bar- the Barbadian multi hyphenates status as the wealthiest female musician in the world and the second richest female entertainer at 21 still chasing after Oprah Winfrey. Congratulations to Riri. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Had to keep that same energy. You know, we had to celebrate LeBron, right? When he reached a Billy. Now, our Mm -hmm. sister Riri is up there too. And I think it's beautiful, man. I think it's beautiful. I think that it's amazing that kids today have... Damn, I sound... Wow, I just gained yeah. five years for sure. But it's amazing that it's amazing that kids tell us about the kids, Miles. They have multiple billionaires to look up to in terms of in terms of black wealth, right? Like the fact that you can look at Jay, you can look at LeBron, you can look at Rihanna, right? You can look at the gentleman who owned BET and sold it. Uh, you know what I mean? There's a the fact that each of those people do something a little bit different. Right. And especially get the money from something a little bit different. Right. It's cool or whatever to be an entertainer. That's dope. We love to watch LeBron dunk. I love to hear Jay-Z rap. Rihanna is Rihanna. Love to watch her do everything. And so but to just dig into what you just said. Right. Her her the vast majority of her one point seven billion is one point four billion from Fenty. Right. From the cosmetics. And another 270 from the lingerie line, which is amazing, which tells me 
All my sisters that are interested in fashion, don't let nobody tell you that that's not a real career. All my sisters that are interested in design, everything, that's amazing. It also makes me think, well, where's all her music money going? She's one of the biggest musical acts in the world. Shouldn't her, shouldn't she be getting paid, paid from this music? Mm. Conversation to be had there, right? But when 82% of her net worth is from what that music allowed her to do, from the space that music put her in and allowed her to do the cosmetic line, a cosmetics line, which in fact is tailored to women of color, trying to supply additional cosmetic options for women who don't, who, uh, whose skin tone isn't typically represented by the Mary Kays of the world. You get me, right? The Maybellines of the world, you know what I mean? So the fact that she's gotten this money off of supporting her community off of doing something, creating opportunities, options, and a product for women of color, man, that's everything. That's everything. That's everything. That's everything. And I love the fact how you pointed out that you pointed out the different um, ways in which people have been getting their, 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 their cap, their, their wealth. Right. And so it's, it's good to see the value of black culture from a financial point of view and, and see it be appreciated, seeing all these billionaires pop up. And, and I think it, it, it's like a, a rolling effect, man. Once, once one, one of us are able to make it past that point and, and, and reach those heights, then the belief in being able to do it becomes a lot more real, you know, part of a part of being able to even achieve something is conceiving it. Right. And so just putting context to what it looks like in the terms of from a business and organizational point of view, from a entertainment perspective, from a talent perspective, you are you are they, they are models that can replicate from people who might have a similar background from you. That's how it can be a child from Akron, Ohio, and then rise into being a multi-billionaire with your homies. You know, there's a there's a there's an organization, there's a a, a replicable model to a certain extent. Now, a quote that I love to point out the difference between a million and a billion is that you can count from one to a million in 11 minutes. To count from one to a billion would be 11 years. Let that sink in. That's hard. Thank you. Thank you. I did not know that. Great quote. Trippy. I got one more for you. Mm-hmm. When Rihanna was asked about being a billionaire, she said three words. God is good. God is good. God is good. It's all about gratitude. It's all about being thankful for what you've got. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I love the humility. I just, I I have utmost respect for Queen Riri. Um, I appreciate just how much life she gives to the black women in my life, right? Very similar to Beyonce's, like, I have an appreciation for them as artists. I have appreciation for their businesses. I have appreciation for their place in the culture. But how much joy I see them bring the women in my life is is everything. Everything is everything. Shout out to Riri. I see, I see a lot of dudes be like, nah, I wouldn't date... A shawty that's way richer than me. I wouldn't date a shawty that's a billionaire, you know, from the ASAP Rocky perspective. I see a lot of dudes commenting, commenting that and and and, and saying it's actually like a, a like a, a surprisingly popular belief. Well, 
that's hilarious because dating a billionaire lady is not a popular thing to be able to do. So don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, gentlemen. Don't, if you if you have any qualms about dating a billionaire, <laughs> don't worry. It's an, it won't happen to you. <laughs> it won't happen to you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Lightning, lightning don't strike like that. Don't trip. Don't, don't, don't trip. Don't worry. I think, that, I think that conversation is ridiculous. I mean, I mean, like, that is part of the inferiority complex that comes into play. So, yeah, are you kidding me? I date a billionaire in a heartbeat, dude. Look, Woke, bad billionaires for, for me. <laughs> <laughs> More bad billionaires for me. I'll take it. I'll take it. You, can, are you, you leave it me? cool. I'll take it. Yep. One man's trash is another man's trash. because wife. I'll take it. <laughs> it's also because dudes have so many, there's so many insecurities that men carry about this false idea of what manhood should be. Are you kidding me? In 2021, in, in, in the future, we're literally living in the future and you're going to hold on to the concept that you cannot marry a woman that's that has more money on you. That's, that's archaic thinking right there, if you ask me. Yeah, you're placing limitations on yourself, pimp. Come on, man. Yeah, you need to open up your horizons and introduce yourself to good things. But check this out. Exactly what he said. Open up your horizons. You want to widen what you what you consider a man's role. So even if you're stuck on the idea that a man needs to protect and provide, understand that there are so many other things to provide other than money. Be her peace. Not me. Cook. Mm-hmm. You take care of the crib. Be her advisor. Be her consigliere. Consigliere. You get care me. about what she's doing. Yeah, for sure. If you have a woman that is as talented and driven and special and amazing and beautiful as Rihanna, then your number one job, you know, whether you got a job or not, whatever, your number one job should be to support her, right? And I'm not saying at the expense of yourself, your dreams. No, I'm not saying that. But if that's the, if you're entering into a relationship, like water that and watch y'all's garden grow. And that, that money ain't the only water. It reminds me of a Chris Rock joke where he says, and every morning I wake up and I look myself in the mirror and I tell myself, <laughs> You, it's not about you. <laughs> now go out and make this woman happy. And that is exactly the model that I would implement. And the model that I do implement, shout out to, you know, help. Word, word. I, I'm, yeah, I would say you don't always have to, you don't always have to give your, all of yourself at the expense of yourself. You can care for yourself. You can even demand care from your partner, even if they happen to be the breadwinner, even if they happen to be being the breadwinner in the relationship doesn't excuse you from all the emotional labor that it takes to keep that relationship going and to support your partner. So there's a flip side. But what we say before, communication and accountability, communication and water. You think you got to provide, you think you're supposed to protect whether you were male, female, whatever, understand that can be done in so many ways besides money and sex. We're giving the gems out today, man. We're going to have to charge them for this. We are. Uh, Patreon. Hey, man. All right. 
what I'm about to speak this recommended review into existence. Got to hit y'all with it because we left it out of the intro. I love mm-hmm. recommended and review because that's where we interact with you. You know what I'm saying? We review what you recommend. We recommend what we think is cool. And this week we getting into mm-hmm. ESTG. Bigger than life or death. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now that's this that, review, that's that music, sir. This review is uh is one that I'm I'm very curious. I'm very curious about because I have been loving this gangster southern sound. Everybody from ESTG to 42 Doug, uh, even, you know, some of the guys that are getting into a little bit of that that Midwest blend, like Sada Baby, I'm sure it's a name that will come back up during this review. Like, this music has been everything that I love to ride around to. So from the first couple ESTG baby features that really, like, had me, I think I was looking into ESTG actually even a little bit before Baby. And I'm not sure what other artists kind of linked me, but for the moment I was like, yep, I like this. I like, I like everything about ESTG very much in the same way that everything about, I wish I could whistle, man, 42 Doug and that whistle, something about Mm -hmm. that. It just, man, I was sold from the beginning, but I, a couple months ago seemed to remember you saying that ESTG wasn't it for you. How did we get there? I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong as why well. I was Xavier. And then, then sometimes Nacho, a man is wrong. It's for fun, you know? And and that's kind of where I was with it. I, it's it's like you said, I did not speak. I, I was not, um, I, I, Mr. Miles Xavier, I, I was not in the right temperature space in order to be able to enjoy this album the way that I was supposed to. That was the that that was the thing is I did not enjoy the space the way that I was supposed to, the music the way that I was supposed to. You see me playing around with these edits trying to get it right. God damn it! I see it's looked cool like three or four times, so it's it's great. I'm uh, trying to I'm trying to get it so that I'm speaking and I can and I can uh, and I can mark myself as the speaker, but it's refusing. This looks so official, like the scrolling banner. Shout out to the YouTube audience, man. Anybody on Spotify? Zway has got us, you know, we got the album art here hooked up. You know what I'm saying? ESDG in his chains looking mighty official. I'm looking like a news anchor, like I'm about to report on some big, uh, positive, amazing, wonderful thing that ESDG has done in the community, man. This is this is this is live right now. Oh, we just got the title of the album popping up, man. This is this is incredible. This is an incredible experience. <laughs> we hope you think so, too, if you are listening. Uh, but yeah, man, this this album is. um. It's, it's dope. It's dope. I wasn't in the right. I wasn't in the right. Um, in the right environment. You see, Miles Xavier gangster music apparently is best listened to. Oh, gangster music of this nature is best listened to with a uh, with the right temperature. And I was very fortunate that things started heating up in South Africa, and I was bumping to that ESTG rolling in. It was incredible, incredible. Uh, it, it it bangs, dude. I was following EST before. Um, for 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 a while back when he was still dropping those Lucy's quite hard, and you know that's when we picked up on him. 
solid solid bop super super solid bop um i'm, I'm trying to re- i'm trying to get into his, the comparison artist that i put him into more so like money bag yo when we first started hearing him come out with that um with that uh they don't know you know which is super super hard as well some some throwback money bag yo stuff so it came out sounding like that and i was and i was hooked on it come the time it's this is that drive around with the windows down music for sure yeah, it's it's definitely uh strategically a summertime drop. And so I'm glad you got a chance to to live with it in that way, at least a little bit, um, because, yeah. And that's another conversation I think that we, we could have uh, on the podcast is is because there is definitely gangster hip hop for the wintertime. It exists. I'm looking at you, Rick Ross. I and Griselda. Looking, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's 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 a. There's a lot there. Oh, you got to listen to the plugs I met too in the summertime. That's it another. Could could, that's another. That's, that's huge. That's a Miami. That's you in Siberia. That's Miami. That's everything about that is wow. Breakthrough. Back to the ESTG, man. I was, I was happy with so, with so much of this, right? Uh, pop this in, windows down in the car. Some highlights for me, 5,500 degrees, Sky Dweller. Uh, I did like the Lick Back remix. I did like uh, the Poop Precisely track, All I Know. Uh, 42 Doug's appearances on this were pretty decent. Uh, I was just, yeah, I was, I, was, I was happy. And you know what? A lot of times, even from these newer artists that we think of as single artists, maybe that haven't put out a body of work yet, I, maybe, I went into it not expecting the most. And I, I came out with it. You know how you go through an album and you're like, all right, I'm just going to like the tracks that I like so that I have them after the first run through mm-hmm. and I can go back to those three or four. And then you start to see them stars, hearts, whatever, Spotify, title, whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? You start to see them start to line up. And it's like, oh, I might like this whole joint. This was that whole, this was very much that experience for me. Uh, and I'm happy. I take it. Yeah, I hope I'm not giving the YouTube people a seizure with all of these transitions. But transition, and 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 for that's a lot of transitions. I'm trying to get it perfect, but we'll perfect the algorithm. Um, with the the highlights from, and I have to say the, the intro track Riata Dada, Riata Dada was super super hard. Um, that goes in Sky Dweller, like you said, is a highlight for real. That goes in super smooth as well. Overall, I do have to give this a three point five out of five mics. It is what what I like to to refer to as as spectacular. Yeah, I think I'm right with you with that three point five, man. It's um, it's one of those. It's one of those where, as an album, like I can pick singles from it that I really really like. Uh, and I don't want a three point five to not sound like it's a really good project. I think when we talk about somebody like that's really established in the game, whether it be um, a Freddie Gibbs, a Mac Homie, a well, maybe not Mac Homie. He's he's putting out. He's still kind of relatively new, but a Freddie Gibbs, uh, just to throw out some more names, a Drake, uh, a Kanye West. If, if if Donda were ever to drop and we were ever to review that, shout out to all y'all that are salty about that, man. Y'all have just y'all have just tickled me on the internet, man. But yeah, they don't know the Kanye experience, evidently. But yeah, but so I would say for for an artist like ESTG, 
and the type of music he makes, a three point five as a as a come out album is is really really solid. So, yes, that's my take. That's my take. That's Miles' take, and we have, we agree on the three point five out of five mics. That's the official micage signage that we're putting on this ESCG bigger than life or death review. Miles Xavier. Do you have any other things that people should go check out in their entertainment time? Anything else that you're watching that you think is dope? Any documentaries, podcasts, or things that you would recommend to the folks to go dive into? Of course, of course, of course. Uh, Yo, go listen to that Sango, Waldo, Lake Effect. Fire production. Uh, Waldo, a rapper who was kind of came in the game with the with the selection guys doing some amazing projects really rapping over uh some of those vibey beats vibey beats before some of the some of the mainstream kind of took that over so he's back sango incredible producer lake effect go check that out um on the on the mu on the movie tip suicide squad the Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad 2, Return of the Suicide Squad. I don't know what they call in this one to differentiate it from the original one, but you needs that. That's a good that's that is that is entertainment. That is just straight good entertainment. Not and it doesn't have to be a bad movie for it to be entertainment. And that could be the only redeeming quality. No, this is enjoyable. So I would recommend that. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to decide whether to watch Suicide Squad or Fast Nine, go with Suicide Squad. Uh they there's a lot of there's a lot of shark jumping in this Fast and Furious, uh, and uh, also John Cena is in both of these movies and does a much better job in one than the other. So, shout out to, <laughs> shout out to, shout out to John Cena, and that's the podcast, everybody. <laughs> Oh my god! And listen, I'm listening to that paper out Illuminati. That's 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 what's on. Um, that's what's on re- repeat. So that's what I'd recommend people to to go listen to from a reading perspective. Your boy is reading George Orwell's 1985. Um, that that that's what I'm at just from 1984. So that's what that's what the boy is reading from a movie entertainment perspective. Uh, like my brother said, what's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, Suicide Squad. And if you haven't, check out that Dave as well. That as well, we keep, we keep talking about that Dave. Run that Dave, man. That Dave is something special. If 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 y'all ain't paying attention to that, yes, sir. Run that Dave. Yeah. Uh, follow up for you after you read uh, after you finish 1984. Read uh, "You Are Not a Gadget" by Jerome Lanier. Yes. 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 It's a great pairing. It's a great pairing. Check those. Check that out. Uh, I, think I would give them both. I would, except uh, you know, I I know. I think more importantly, we know. Yeah, we know. It's 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 inescapable, man. We we are aware. There's too many podcasts. Usually I say it's a lot of podcasts. It's a lot. You have to scroll past them all. It's too many. There are too many out there. Some of y'all need to cut it out. No, I'm just playing. But real talk, y'all had to do some type of scrolling. Y'all had to be on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, Tidal, Stitcher, wherever we are being found by you. You had to put some type of thumb effort into this. And so we appreciate you and your thumbs for scrolling to find us. You are now tuned in to the beautiful, soulful sounds of Hazelnut. That's me. Chestnut. That's him. Tones. This is a celebration of life. 
This is a celebration of love. This is a celebration of celebrating. This is a celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good, Chestnut? I'm glad on my skin. And we hope it feels good to be you. We hope you love the skin you're in. Reach out. Hug somebody. Make somebody's day. Open the door. Hold the door. You know what I'm saying? Eat something delicious. Hug somebody you love. Like that. Peace. Water. We gone.